My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Man. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano. I'm back, senior writer at ProBible.com. Today, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kate Onder, who you can find writing about video games over at Comic Book. Kate admirably filled in for me last week as host, talking with our buddy Brandon Katz about John Wick 4. I checked out the whole podcast because I produce it, may or may not have something to do with it, but still, I thought it was a great conversation about the film. Cade, what's going on, pal? Playing video games, seeing movies. Dude, yeah. Same old, same old. <laughs> and uh, going to the bar to watch some sports, I say. Yeah, that was fun. Well, it, <laughs> it was it fun wasn't. until the game started. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, so I'm, I live in Iowa. So I went to Iowa City, which is where the University of Iowa is. And uh, so I was there with all of these students of University of Iowa. And I mean, the game, like the first five minutes, everyone was so hyped out of their minds. Iowa was just kicking ass. And then... It very quickly went downhill. We left at halftime to go get some food, and uh, the spirits were very low. And then when we came back, and I mean, it was—you could hear a needle drop when we when we left the bar. <laughs> yeah, trust me, I've I've gone to the bar for for teams that I care about too, and that's happened. It's a shitty feeling, but it's still a fun day. And I think yeah, most yeah. of the country was pulling for them as well. Yeah, no, it's still far because just is just dope. It's it's a good vibe. They had the band come and play in the bar before the game started, which is oh, just fucking cool. electric. Yeah. So Yeah, and I'm sure you have tons of friends that go to school there. Right? Oh yeah. All of my friends are pretty much there. So yeah. it's yeah, good that's to cool. see them and, and and party. All right. So let's talk about things that people that tune into this podcast actually know <laughs> what we're talking about. And that is first cave awesome. This is, I think, one of the best perks of our job is getting to go on work trips, especially when they align with the things that we like to do. <laughs> Cade got to go to Los Angeles to play four hours? Four hours of the new Star Wars game, Jedi Survivor. It's been a long five years. A sequel to 2018's Jedi Fallen Order. 2019's Jedi Fallen Order. The return of um, Cameron Monaghan as Cal Kestis. He's got a beer now. He's rugged. I think that that, you know, A, the fact that you got to fly out there. Congrats on that. I'm sure it was a dope trip. Mm-hmm. B, based on your review, it sounds like the game is an improvement on the first. So why don't you tell us how much you played? And, of course, speak to plot-wise what you can speak on. And then, you know, all your sort of gaming detail stuff. Sure. Yeah, so uh, we got flown out, went there. I met Cameron Monaghan. Super cool guy. Oh, cool. Yeah, I uh, took a picture with him. Um, the uh, so there's an hour before the section we played, the start of the game. We did not get to see it. They gave us some context about, but they said we can't say anything about it, so I can't talk about that. But basically, uh, something happens. Cal Kestis is now on the run. It's five years after Jedi Fallen Order. He is now a more experienced Jedi. He's on the run again. Uh, he's all alone, and his like crew from the last game has kind of been disbanded and spread across the galaxy. And he crashes his ship on this planet called Kobo, uh, which is like a mining prospector planet. And uh, he's like, all right, I got to, you know, get parts to fix my ship up. And uh, he does meet some people from the last game along the way to kind of, you know, put the crew back together and help him with his ship. Um, But basically the game was just like, I'm five years into this. I'm now kind of a more experienced Jedi and I'm losing still. Like, I am not winning this battle against the Empire. And he's questioning whether this means anything, because there's no Luke Skywalker yet. There is no leader. It's everyone who's kind of trying to do something is spread out. There is no rebel alliance that is really fully kicked into gear, fighting back. It's kind of just small groups of people. And their impact is minimalized as a result. So Cal is just like, is this even worth doing? And uh, I think that gives him a lot more depth than the previous game because I didn't find him to be a very interesting character in the last game. I found the game to be very repetitive and boring and you're going through all these tombs and it's just like, eh, but this one's like way more interesting. This planet that we got to see was like, yeah, you're exploring some caves and stuff, but you get to go to this like town with a cantina and you see characters there who are, uh, you know, like uh, they, get they, out of my way. They very much did not have that. in exactly. The first game. I think that was my biggest complaint. Like, it was more of an illusion of an open world than it really was. You could see as far as the eye will let yeah. you, but you could not go there at all. Yeah. The fact that they're like letting you 
is it built into the course of the game or is it your choice to go in there? So you, uh, that is part of the main story. You do go, you get funneled into this cantina for your, your story, but um, it is a place you will be going back to, to get quests, like side quests and stuff gotcha, and talk to gotcha. people and you can build the cantina out and stuff. You can get like a DJ and stuff. Like it's really cool and you can make it your own, which I really like that. So there's a lot more depth to the world now, which I don't think was there at all. I mean, it was a very lifeless game in, in mm. Jedi Fallen Order. But now it's like there are people who will be like, hey, some prospectors got lost in the mines. Go check out what happened there. And maybe when you go in there, you'll find some some Rancor killed all of them. And you got to fight the Rancor. And it's just like fun little side stuff like that. That's really exciting. Mechanically, the game's very similar. You know, don't expect them to reinvent the wheel. But because they don't have to figure out what this game is now they know what they're doing what the vision is they can refine and improve so in the last game it felt like cal kestis was reacting to everything because he was inexperienced but now he's able to be a lot more aggressive and like fight people um and there's even more tools at your disposal you have a blaster in this game and one of the cool things they showed us we didn't get to use this because it's not until later in the game but one of the things they showed us was you can use the force to kind of pull these stormtroopers together into like a big cluster, throw them up in the air, freeze them there, pull out the blaster and Red Dead Redemption style, mark them, boop, 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 and then like annihilate them. Did he have a gun in the first game? Did not. So Mm -hmm. it's it's brand new. And, uh, you know, in the last game- very anti-Jedi though, right? It is, Savage weapons. It's kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi using it on Grievous, right? So it's cool to see. He kind of uses it like a cowboy almost, like, drop from the hip bang 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 and it's right it's cool to see this combination of jedi uh, of uh, lightsaber combat and blaster gameplay and you can uh have a double-sided lightsaber uh regular lightsaber dual lightsabers you can break it in half and use this too mm-hmm. and all kinds of different things so there's just a lot more variety a lot more strategy everything has a purpose um and it, you feel very powerful which i think is the most exciting thing uh so so far i'm very excited by it and then the last thing I'll mention is there is something we can't talk about with the story, but I do think it is a risky story beat that they're going for both from a video game and just star Wars as a whole has felt very safe over the last decade, but um, it got me very excited. and was like, wow, this is what star Wars should be. This is what it can be. Disney take notes. I know that they're signing off on all these things, but like after Mando has been fucking falling flat, I was like, holy shit, Star Wars has a place where it can take some risks still. And that releases when? End of the month, April 28th. Yeah, fuck yeah, I'm hyped for that. All right, make sure to check that out and check out all of Kate's content about the game over at comicbook.com. The next thing we're going to be chatting about today is Dungeons and Dragons. Honor Amongst Thieves. Honor Among Thieves. Amongst? Among? One of the two. We're thieves, but we help the wrong person steal the wrong thing and unleash the greatest evil the world has ever known. The Red Wizard. Among. Uh, <laughs> I've not seen this. Brandon wants to see it. He's not on the show today, so his voice doesn't matter. You have seen it. It gives us something to talk about. I, we put this to a poll this week. This is shocking. If this doesn't speak to how far Mando has fallen, then nothing else will. We put it to a poll on Twitter of what we should talk about today, this film or Mando, and this film won, which is absolutely... A decent margin, too. Before we talk about the film itself, I want to talk about... When you think about the sheer scope of video game adaptations, whether it be film or TV that are coming out in the next few years, it's pretty insane. Just off the top of my head, the ones that I could think of are from whether it be Netflix to Prime. Of course, we got The Last of Us. We're getting Fallout. Bioshock, Assassin's Creed, um, Minecraft, Minecraft, Twisted Metal. There's, of course, the Pokemon games. There's a Tomb Raider animated project in the world. Ghost works. of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima, Mass Effect, Warhammer 4000, which is like a tabletop fantasy yeah. game. So it kind of. It's like DD in that sense. Yeah. So it, it, it's got a bit going for it. God of War, Gears of War. <laughs> So there are tons of video games in the works that I think video games and their lore sort of have a lot in common with fantasy mm-hmm. by the sole fact of that RPG role-playing game came from the fantasy world. And that is what largely comprises these deep fantasy games. So that's why I think there's a lot of overlap there and, and why I think they're both. And then you look at 
House of the Dragon, Lord yeah. of the Rings, both the shows and Warner Bros. trying to make new films. Warner Bros. doing a Harry Potter show, which I think also falls under this. Oh, we should talk about that. We can talk about that instead of D&D if you'd like to. We'll do both. Okay. Fuck it. Don't let me forget. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you look at that, and I'm curious if you think that's sort of the next IP frontier that Hollywood is going to try to mine. Now that the comic book genre, I don't think it's ever going to go away, but I think that it's sort of vice grip on the movie business is gone. And it's a question of, is there going to be a new one? There's always a new one. So I think they're trying to figure out what that is. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny because like superhero stuff really dominated for a long time, right? Is is video games going to be the new genre, the new the new wave? Uh, I mean, like all of those things you just mentioned are like some of the best games. Like they are awesome. Bioshock, God of War, Ghost of Tsushima. Like we're in store for a lot of cool shit. So um, I'll be interested to see. And those are all like they have their own genres within them, you know, like even though video games are a broad spectrum, like Tsushima is samurai and God of War is like this family drama set in like Greek mythology and stuff. So there's a lot of cool shit to play with. And when you see stuff like this and it works and it overperforms, does it give you any desire to go back and watch Thrones and House of the Dragon and Lord of the Rings and all that stuff that you've largely not enjoyed. Now, I understand that you're not a TV guy, but when you see the connections to the fantasy world and gaming and the depth that they both provide. Admittedly, not really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's because it, I think what I like about D&D and we'll get more into this in a minute uh, was <clears throat> the the humor and stuff. It's not necessarily the fantasy stuff. I think it's just how creative it is. But I think when done right, it can be very exciting, but I don't think the lore of D&D is necessarily what's pulling me in. Cause I don't even really play D&D in general. So have you ever tried it? Never, ever. No, I would like to. I, yeah. Let's talk about the film itself. I don't marketing for it was widely. I feel like the general vibe was what the fuck is this? Who's yeah. going to see this? The fact that it has overperformed, I think is probably like more exciting than Scream 6 doing well because Scream yeah. 5 did well too. So it's not like that's that new. Like this film coming in and overperforming despite the fact that most people thought it looked bad. And only as B said on this podcast, only really film nerds like knew like, oh, it's the guys from Game Nights, so yeah. which should be good. Talk to me about the film itself and why it worked and what you enjoyed. Yeah, no, I went into this, again, not being a D&D fan and was like, okay, I don't really like fantasy. I don't know much about D&D. I like Game Night a lot. I saw that in theaters and it was one of the most fun theater experiences I ever had. And yeah, wow. So I was like, this movie has at least one thing going for it. And I like the cast. And so I was like, okay, let's see what we got here. <clears throat> and I was like, I hope this movie isn't like, oh, isn't D&D really stupid? Like, isn't this so dumb? And that's not what it is at all. It's like, we're going to like play it very matter of fact, but like, it is fun. Like, it's just fun. It's, and I think I, what my experience with D&D is watching sometimes, like there are big YouTube channels that like play D&D for fun and just like have it as like a big kind of event that you can watch. And I was like, it reminds me of like a really messy D&D campaign where people are just having a ball with each other and just like, what happens if I do this? And then something absurd happens. And I think that's the fun of it. It's not trying to be serious because there are other D&D movies. And like, from what I've seen, they're like, they, they try to be Lord of the Rings and it's, it's not that. And so I think that it embraces the absurdity of it all without trying to be like, isn't this fucking dumb? Like kind of like Marvel is like, isn't this guy named Ant-Man so goofy? Yeah. It's not trying to do that. Yeah. It's just like, this is fun. We're having fun, but we are in on it together. And I think that's really charming. And I think Chris Pratt or Pine. no Pine. Yeah. God, Chris <laughs> Pine. Can you imagine this movie with Chris Pratt? I think this movie would probably be worse if it was Chris Pratt. But Chris Pine is just ever charming, always fun. And yeah. There's a an actor who shows up in this movie that has not been in the marketing. That is oh, I've like, heard. I because I don't really care that all that much about yeah. it. Yeah, is it his face though? Oh yeah, it's just him. And I was like, yes, yes, amazing. That's I don't so know how funny. they did this, but I love it. Isn't uh, he tiny though? He's very tiny. He's like 
like everyone but else he's is just like a tiny size. normal sized person tiny tiny like sitting <laughs> like this chair like he's like you know all the way down yeah here. that is really <laughs> funny wow it's yeah. amazing uh and he has this like really amazing like emotional thoughtful scene it's it's perfect so oh, good for them yeah yeah, I've heard that the way that they incorporate what it's like actually playing the game into this film well. Yeah, and, and the action is really well done, too. I was really... Well, taking... I hear that the CGI is like, you know, how it used to be, where they only needed it where they... U- yeah. They only used it where they needed it and didn't just use it as a shortcut for everything. One of my one of my favorite things about, like, Lord of the Rings is, like, they have these big, beautiful landscapes of New Zealand, right? And, like, that's one of the charming things about those movies is, like, it's so beautiful to look at. And this movie, I'm sure there is stuff that's, like, green screen or on a st- soundstage or whatever. But, like, they really give you that feeling of, like, they're in some medieval forest or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, that's so fun to be immersed in that kind of world. And, uh, yeah, the magic and the monsters are, like, really well done and and they seem to be doing a lot practically, which is great. Yeah. Now, but do you think it's going to do well enough to spawn a franchise? Or is it good enough? I think it's good enough. I think I I want people to go see this movie. I've been telling people like, hey, go see it. I know it looks dumb, but like you will enjoy it. I think it's a great time, even if you don't know anything about D&D. So Mm. I've been trying to push people, go see this fucking movie. Uh, Because I want another one and I hope they do another one. I don't know if it'll quite get there. I don't know where it's at in the box office total, but I know it had like a pretty high budget of like $150 million. Oh, wow. That's much higher than I thought it would be. Yeah. So like it has a line to cross, but yeah, you know, maybe Paramount or whoever is behind this will be like, you know, people turned out, people were really passionate about it. We'll see if we can give it another go, maybe Mm -hmm. do a TV series or something. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the Harry Potter series news that came out this week. HBO is nearing a deal to adapt each one of J.K. Rowling's books into a season of television for an iconic network. J.K. Rowling will be involved just to, I don't know, quote, like maintain the story's originality or something or some bullshit. Original know, she, vision. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, there it is. But won't be involved in the actual nuts and bolts of making the show. Now, you and I are on opposite sides of whether or not this mm-hmm. is a good idea. I think it... In the ultimate inevitability of a new Harry Potter franchise coming, I think that this is a pretty good way to do it. You were on the lame side, so I'll make you, I'll let you make the case against after I'm done. Sure. I think that, look, the films, not only are they all good, they all hold up. I yeah. think that they look still okay. The problem is, and somebody asked me this online, like, what is the need to make new films? And the fact is that there are exponentially younger people with shorter attention spans in the world. If you were to go back and ask me to watch the Batman films that came out before I was alive, I'd say, no, I'd rather watch the the ones that came out while I was on this earth. So I feel like that will largely apply to kids. Now, if they were doing films, that would make it a higher degree of difficulty because it would be a direct one-to-one. But now, and even though I don't doubt HBO to cast the right people in the right roles, even if maybe the actors aren't as good the episodic format will allow for further character development to make it feel like something different they will be able to introduce storylines and characters that weren't used the first time around by sheer scope so if they're doing seven films and then there's that cursed i mean sorry seven seasons then there's that cursed child play so maybe that's eight they have plenty of room to really stretch their legs and then it all comes down to i think hbo not only do we have the recent evidence of like the last of us wow they did it they made not only a video game adaptation passable and watchable but legitimately great but they are hbo they made fucking game of thrones which for all of its faults towards the end nobody ever complained about the cgi in that show so whatever possible sort of special effects that they have to conjure up for this world they can and then you add the fact that they are have proved that they are competent in making both regular shows and fantasy shows. They've arguably have made the most iconic fantasy show of all time. And had they not botched that last season and a half, what would be widely considered as one of the top five shows of all time, there is no better landing spot for this type of show. And there is no more original and unique way to retell this story than a show. So you combine those two things. And I think for fans, it's a win. And I sent this out in a tweet. If you told me as a 
Batman fan that HBO, and that's pretty much the only channel that I would give this runway, this blank check to. If you told me that they were going to make a legitimate Batman show that's going to hit all the major arcs, year one, killing joke, nightfall, uh, long Halloween, all that shit, I would be fucking ecstatic. So I feel like if you believe in this world and enjoy this world, then how you can't see this as a win, I I just don't get that. I think the thing is, like, the things you just listed for Batman is, like, things we've loosely seen or never seen or whatever. Like, we know what the visual language of Harry Potter looks like, right? Like, the way I described well, it is, like... We've seen Bane break the bat's yeah. bat. You know what I mean? It's not like they haven't done one-to-one adaptions, and that's the point. These books are hundreds of pages long, so there will be stuff that you haven't seen. Now, I have seen the takes like, how are they going to recast Snape, and how are they going to replace the score? And all that shit is difficult, but Batman has done it. It can be done. People have done it. John Williams Superman score bangs. Guess what? They signed up Hans Zimmer and was like, hey, can you do something here? And he was like, I think I can. And he made a banger too. So I'm not really worried about it in that sense. I think like the way you said it was like, uh, there's a lot of kids that grew up after Harry Potter, but like Harry Potter in the 10 years ago. And so like that generation of kids is like only just now getting to the point where it'd be like age appropriate to even show it to them, you know? Um, so, like, yes and no, I get it. But, like, it, ah, it's so hard for me because the way I described it is, like, it feels like it's remaking Star Wars because um, mm. Star Wars, right, is, like, you can't ever go back and start over with Star Wars. It is going to be something that continues to expand, and it will never go back and start over. Maybe long after we're dead. But for now, no, I, no way. Um, but with this, it's, like, even you look at Hogwarts Legacy, that music, that castle, that uh, aesthetic that feeling is all from the movies i mean right. so those... what if they use the same score and say fuck it and then, then it's almost it the like, same way then what's the point <laughs> it's just like <laughs> that is, like have some nuance the point is that there's money to be made that is always going to be the point yes. there is always going to be people who want to watch and people who want to sell that is why that, of course that's... if we lived in a world where you had to take it to like a general counsel in a courtroom and argue the pros and cons of why this should or should not exist i'm sure fucking sonic the hedgehog 2 wouldn't exist the fact is they fucking made it people watched it and everyone's happy yeah i mean no no way in hell do i believe that this is not a money driven decision i fully believe that they went to daniel radcliffe Emma Watson and Rupert and tried and, and we're like, Hey, do you want to do the cursed child? child and yeah. they were like, no, or not right now. And yeah, they were like, yeah. well, we can, it has the- only been 12 years, but yeah. like, yeah, and no, probably, you know, like, if you're them though, and look, they're all doing cool shit and they're all doing yeah, yeah. pretty well, I think, but it's like, why not? I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> I, no, I, I, I agree. Like, I would be like, if it was me, I'd be like, yeah, I want that. Like, I, like I, one I and done or two, yeah. two, and then in you're and out like, a quick trilogy. Like, quick, yeah, yeah. You know, like I, <laughs> I say that, that, but they'll find a way. <laughs> they'll bring them back. Um, yeah, exactly. And that that definitely brings the question: is like, does that mean that's completely off the table now? Because now you're you're starting over with a new cast. Does that mean no. like, are they going to be like, well, we don't want to oh, model true. the brand? True. You know, yeah. we we don't because why not just wait until. But even then, the cursed child is a whole thing. It's like they're adults. So if you have this new cast, you can't do it as like season eight. You know, like yeah. you have to have like a 10 year break minimum before you could ever try again with that. So that may be a story we don't see till 2040. You know, yeah. like it's it's a lot. Um, but I'm, I'm still interested like for the things you said. It's just like we get to see things that we you can't do in a movie because time constraints. Right. So that stuff is interesting to me. Plus, if this wound up on stars, I'd be like, folks, we're in trouble here. (laughs) But it's like it's going to like the fucking Babe Ruth of TV. Yeah. And it's like I expect them to hit a fucking home run. Yeah. You know, and it's a fucking meatball. It's kids. It's adult. It's fantasy. It's sprawling. It's got interesting characters. So, yeah, I mean, if all the ways and many diabolical forms in which this could in which this reboot could have found us. This is the best way. And is, I think that you have to take it as such. Is there 
any actor in general for any of the roles that you're like, I want to see that person play this part. I don't think we're going to know about Harry Potter because like Daniel Radcliffe was a completely unknown guy until they cast him as Harry Potter. Yeah. So like, I know I'm more thinking along the lines of like the big Snape names, like and Dumbledore, Adam Driver and Snape. Is anyone going to complain yeah, about that? Yes. I would. Yeah. Be so like, and he is in the <laughs> HBO family from girls. So you look, Wow. That's a game that we should play. Like you talk about Sirius Black and all the teachers. Those are roles that you could definitely recast. You just gave my brain two seconds and I just hit a fucking <laughs> moonshot. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so I don't think it's that hard. The kids is a different story, but ultimately, even though the show is about them, I think that they are what matters least. Interesting. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, when you because think about, about how they Black did it, so, think about serious. how they did it. The first time they casted no names, they put all the right parts around them in one and two. They're like, yeah, these kids can't really, you know, they're kid actors, but then, they, you know, they learned it and HBO, they know how to cast the right people. So, yeah, I think that this is a huge win in, in terms of if it had to exist, it may not come out for like, oh, just think about it. You know, they haven't yeah. even the way that the report was worded is that they were nearing a deal. Right. Yeah. So who knows how long that fucking takes? We could be looking at a three, four, five year timeline until this hits screens. And then you're talking, oh, well, it's been 17 years since the last film has come out. So That's a good point. That's a really good point. All right. So I'm, I'm not sold, but I'm what you might less- buy. I'm, I'm definitely, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'll put it on the layaway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we are introducing a brand new game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, we are back to celebrate the release of Ben Affleck's Air, his latest directorial effort, his first since 2016 to live by night. We are introducing a new game, and it is called the Oscars game. So basically, we are giving out Oscars to Ben Affleck's career. For example, we need to narrow down each category to five choices each. So that will provide the framework for the conversation that we're going to have. Some categories I've Got about 10 here, some for best director, since he's only directed five films, there's five. We will try to whittle them all down to five. Now, how does this work? For example, in best picture, we're going to try to figure out the overall best movie he's ever been involved in, whether he's a supporting actor, the lead, the writer, director, etc. doesn't matter. Conversely, for best actor, we're trying to figure out what is Affleck's best personal lead performance. Cade, are you clear? I'm clear. And we are on the same team for this one. So this is yeah. more of a group exercise. Now we are starting with, oh, and let me just speak on air quick. I listened to him give an interview on the Smartless podcast, which I, I love, Cade. Do yeah, you check out that show? Awesome. Show. Uh, it is hosted by Jason Bateman, who is in air, Will Arnett and Sean Hayes, Ben Affleck. And this has famously been his thing. And that's why he lands the women that he does and the jobs he does and why he's so good at it and why he seems to be unkillable. He's endlessly charming. The guy is constantly throwing 101 miles per hour. And he was talking about how he read Bradley Cooper's Maestro and thinks it's fantastic. He said he finally figured out how to play Batman in The Flash. But one of the things he said was he hopes that Air reintroduces or helps reintroduce alongside what seems to be a course correction from an over bet on streaming and that it reintroduces the original comedy drama into the film mm-hmm. marketplace. You could buy that with his new, I think it's a studio with Matt Damon, Artistic yeah, Endeavors yeah. or something. What the hell is it called? Artists Equity. Art, yeah. So he's really putting in like good work for the heartbeat of film. So I think that that is such an interesting endpoint for him and where he's wound up. Because going through his list of films, he hasn't been in that many good ones. That's just a fact, a fact yeah. of the matter. Somehow he's been a movie star for my entire lifetime, 25 years pretty much. Longer than you've been alive and almost as long as I have. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, a lot of his stuff is not that great. And as we go through this films, you will see why that is. So to start, best supporting actor. Oh, and I want to introduce a rule. We're only allowed to use each film once. 
Oh, wow. Because okay. if that, it would just be goodwill like, in like the town. town. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. I'm glad I just thought of that. Uh, all right. For best supporting actor, the field, and then we've got to bring this down to five. And we probably combined have not seen all these films, but I think we're allowed to use their cultural context and what we've heard of them as voting metrics. Uh, all right. So best supporting actor. We have Dazed and Confused. Goodwill Hunting, Shakespeare in Love, Hollywoodland, Extract, Smoking Aces, Triple Frontier, The Tender Bar, The Last Duel, The Flash, because he says it's his best work as Batman, Zack Snyder's Justice League, and I just lumped in all the uh, Kevin Smith films into one. So that's Mall Rats, Chasing Amy, and Dogma. Okay, let's try to slim down the field here. Have you seen Dazed and Confused? Yeah, but he's pretty pretty minor role minor okay one. so yeah. let's so let's chalk that off goodwill we of course both seen have you seen shakespeare in love uh, i have not that one best picture i think it did okay so that will keep in the field have you seen hollywoodland no he played christopher reeves's superman i think i've seen his no scenes. no he didn't or he not christopher reeves superman. i'm sorry it's george something yes. right i think it's george reeves right isn't that now, now that is considered to be the movie that sort of got him back into what it's what George Reeves? Oh wow, small fucking world. Yeah, uh, that is considered to be the film that sort of brought him back from because there was like from O two to O four he was bomb city. O two to O five it was a disaster. Yeah. Hollywood Land comes out in O six, <laughs> gets them back on course. So we'll keep that. Extract. Have you I've seen, seen that? this? Yeah. Oh, you have. Sick. Yeah, it's okay. pretty funny. Good we'll Jason. Keep that on the board. Smoking Aces. Have you seen that? No, I've heard it's pretty bad though. <laughs> what uh, is it? Is it, dude? Not? Dude, I, I own that shit on DVD. <laughs> it's a Joe Carnahan movie, right? Yes, dude. Let me fucking... Dude. All right, real quick, Smoking Aces sidebar, 2006 film. Check out this cast list. All right. It's got Chris Evans, right? Stop. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> All right. For some reason, even though he's in it the least... Not the least, but he's listed at the top of the cast list, but mm. he's not the lead. So Ben Affleck, Ryan Reynolds, Andy Garcia, Chris Pine, Common, Jeremy Piven, Ray Liotta, Alicia Keys, Taraji P. Henson, Jason Bateman, Peter Berg, Joel Edgerton, and Matthew Fox. That's a pretty crazy cast. It's uh, a good is movie. It on, is it on anything? I'll watch it tonight if it's on like HBO. Smoking Aces. I could mail you the. <laughs> it's on HBO Max. Look All at right. that. I'll watch it tonight. I will. I, I'm always down and then for when you're Apple. finished, you can pop on Matrix 2. <laughs> oh, bang. All right. Smoking Aces. Triple Frontier. We have both seen uh, The Tender Bar. Have you seen that one? I have. It's okay. Oh, wow. You're fucking good at this. You love films, huh? I you love, love Ben cinema. Affleck. <laughs> uh, you love Ben Affleck? All right, good. Uh, the Last Duel, The Flash, which we both, of course, have not seen, and the Kevin Smith films. Do you have any particular feelings about uh, I I would say at least Mallrats. Like, I think he's really funny in that movie. And Chasing Amy is, like, another, I think, fairly important movie for his career. Uh, but um, we have a pretty long list. I don't know. So just real quick to speak on the flesh, we've got Tom Cruise here calling in. Tom? <laughs> uh, you want me to no. do a Tom All Cruise? Right, so no. <laughs> flash is out. I'm taking out good goodwill because I feel like we're going to – I mean, t- probably the only other category that we will use goodwill in for him is best picture. Now – I'm feeling strong about it for supporting actor personally. Okay, but think about it. That takes it out of the game for best picture. Let me look at the best picture. Okay. It's picture. We have Goodwill, The Town, Argo, Gone Girl, Air, which we've both not seen, but yeah. I hear is fucking amazing. And then Kate, for you, I tossed in <laughs> Triple Frontier. <laughs> for the boys. Yeah, for the boys. So, like, um, look, I think The Town makes the best case, but then the, so, but then Town is probably my choice for best director. Yeah. Let's we go. So, all right. You're in for goodwill. We'll keep it there. Shakespeare sure. in Love, despite the fact that it won Best Picture, we're taking it out. Hollywood Land, despite the fact it. that I think I've seen that one and it kind of got his career back on track. Well, no. First, we'll take out Smoke and Ace. Uh, hmm. You can take out Extract. 
I, I, okay. it's a funny extract. Movie, He's out. So now we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We have to get rid of three films. Zack Snyder's Justice League. The Tender Bar is out. Zack Snyder's Justice League is out. We've got to get rid of one here. So our last six. Goodwill Hunting, Hollywood Land, Smoking Aces, Triple Frontier, The Last Duel, and the Kevin Smith films. I would I would I argue... think there's a compelling taste case for the Kevin Smith films because that is sort of the pre-Armageddon yeah. run that he got on. And then he also did I think Dogma came out after. So he was still working sure. with Smith. And I think, you know, he is genuinely like he's the supporting player who helped sell the films. Like they got sure. money to get these made because he's in them. So that would be my obviously I think goodwill in a in a abstract vacuum world, that's the choice. But for yeah. the yeah. sake of saving it, I think we go. Kevin Smith films. He's great in The Last Duel too. Seems like he's having the time of the yeah. his life. He told on Smartless that he's like found the love of his craft again, and you can yeah. tell in that film. So yeah. I'm gonna take out The Last Duel. Oh no, sorry. I'm gonna keep in The Last Duel. I'm gonna take out Triple Frontier because that's just a joke. And I think <laughs> that my my choice is probably the Kevin Smith films. Yeah, I can accept that. All um, right. So oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I it, it, we're not even taking it, so it doesn't matter. But, like, uh, I would argue Gone Baby Gone probably was the point that he reinvented his career. Even He's not in I'm it. I'm saying but... as an actor, though. Okay, fair. Yeah, sure. I, yeah. I mean, of course, that was like, oh, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so there it goes. Best supporting actor for Ben Affleck goes his trio of Kevin Smith films, Mall Rats, Chasing Amy, and Dogma. All right, on to best director. He is only directed five films so that makes up the five that we're going to discuss gone baby gone the town argo live by night and air now we've both not seen air it has a 99 percent critic score on rotten tomatoes people are already talking about it as a contender for next year's academy awards so even though realistically we can't give it to that i feel like it was worth being in the conversation sure. regardless Live by Night is consensus, the worst of his films. So that, of course, takes it off the board. So that leaves us with Gone Baby Gone, Town, and Argo. Kate, is there any that you want to speak to? I mean, I just kind of said Gone Baby Gone, like, really changed the course of his career, right? I mean, that movie's awesome. Like It is awesome. I actually just watched it, like, a month or two ago. And and just to, to have the awareness for himself to not be like, I'm going to put myself in this like he does in future movies and just be like, look, I'm going to take a step back. I'm not super well liked right now. And maybe this would be box office poison if I was in it. But cast my brother as the lead and then put like Morgan Freeman and uh, Michelle Monaghan and like a bunch of other great act actors and actresses um, and kickstarting that whole thing of like oh i guess this was good will hunting too but like boston being this like focal point for his career and just being like i'm gonna have real boston guys just like in the background just like chewing up scenery yeah. um it's a great movie uh so i mean like you could make the case for it i don't know if i will make the case for it but that is as one of the points i will make i think in terms of like square peg in a square hole the choice here should be argo because even though he famously was not even nominated for best right. director Should've he won been. best picture and that is a summit that few filmmakers ever reach ever yeah. and he stood on that stage now even though that's technically a producer award i mean that movie funny. doesn't happen without him, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the star, the he's a director. the director. So I think that that is the easy pick. I think that we need to keep the town in our back pocket. So, I, yeah. so, so that leaves it down to Gone Baby Gone and Argo. I could be swung either way. I think I think I probably enjoy Gone Baby Gone more because it's a it's a more traditional film, whereas like Argo is clearly like about a political historical event. So they have beats that they have to follow. They have stories that they have to tell, even though I hear there's a bit of skepticism about how legit it all was. I just think that in terms of like, oh, this makes sense. Giving him the best director award for the film that he won best picture for is it. I mean, just think of the run right there. Gone Baby Gone, The Town, and Argo as your I know. first three fucking movies. I know. And then it's like Live by Night because, and this is not because he got back on the booze and not to suggest that he was drunk while filming it, but to no. suggest that you could see it in the 
Justice League reshoots. He was just not in a good place. No. Now Air is out. He's in a good place, and it's yeah. probably the best film of his career so far. Honestly. So, like, this guy is an unbelievable director right now. He Even is. Spielberg swung and missed at times, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like you said, like, that guy was going through a divorce. He was very unhappy with his career as Batman. He he was drinking. Like, it's understandable that you're maybe not going to turn out your best work during that time. But, I mean, one miss out of, like, five movies that would be considered the peak of, like, any other director's career. You know, like... Four. 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 Yeah, sorry. Uh, three for four. If you you go to the Hall of Fame in baseball, if you hit 30%, he's hitting 75 yeah, that's if you shot awesome. 75 from three point range, you would be you would have 30 percent higher of a shooting percentage than the greatest three point shooter of all time. This guy Amazing. is shooting at an unbelievable clip right now. If he keeps this going with whatever he might do next. And now that he feels really impassioned and he has his own studio that also has its own economic model to it. Mm-hmm. You know, sky's the limit. He's just turned 50. Sky's the limit for this guy. Didn't. Uh, Michelle Obama present the award for Argo. Didn't that happen? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> wow. Uh, I think that was like something that happened. But so that's even like an even better moment. Like you're getting the best award in the industry from the first lady of the United States. Like, God, it's really hard. Uh, do you so, have yeah, any? I mean, look, I, I, you have your choice. I have mine. I think that the Oscar gold. I would but... say, yeah. But... Yeah. Go no, ahead. but if you feel passionately uh, enough about the whole rewriting of his career vibe, I could be sold on that. I mean, I, it's a question that's like, would he even be here today had Gone Baby Gone not happened? You know, like, would he have just gone to be in, like, direct DVD movies and shit? Like, would he have been Batman? Would he have been well, able Let's to- talk about the actual directing work. Like, you talk about how what he crafted in Argo and, and the intensity of scenes that are born out of virtually dialogue, whereas Gone Baby Gone is more of, oh, there's a gun in my face. This is not great, yeah. which Argo has that too. Yeah. But one of the most intense scenes in Argo is him trying to prep them. He's like, what's your name? Bang. Name, name, bang, you're yeah. dead. I just like, dude, he's fucking throwing high heat here. Yeah, he sold me Argo. That, All right. that, that, uh, that scene, I just remember that scene. That, that yeah. scene's awesome. All right, Argo, best director, Ben Affleck. All right, best actor. This one is interesting. Armageddon, Reindeer Games, Boiler Room, Pearl Harbor. And these are just like the okay films that he started. He yeah. has started a lot of bad movies. A lot of <laughs> yeah. bad movies. Yeah. Armageddon, Reindeer Games, Boiler Room, Pearl Harbor, The Town, Argo, Gone Girl. We can't use Argo anymore. Argo's off the board. Gone Girl, The Accountant, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and The Way Back. Batman v Superman, even though I think he's the best part of that film. Absolutely. That's out. Reindeer Games, Boiler Room, Pearl Harbor. Those are all out. Armageddon, I unironically unapologetically love so that's gonna make up our top five we have armageddon the town the accountant which is like a weird movie but it's good and he's good in it in yeah. a very like never go full retard role like he apparently watched that film and just kind of barely treaded that lie but it works and then the way back all right so i think obviously we could take out the accountant obviously we could take out armageddon right i mean yeah. Harry, I love you. <laughs> that's pretty fucking good, dude. The commentary track for that movie with well, him—that's that's, you know that's its own best performance. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> dude. You know what? I'll splice that in a bit here. I asked Michael why it was easier to train oil drillers to become astronauts than it was to train astronauts to become oil drillers, and he told me to shut, shut, shut the fuck up. So that, that was the end of that talk. He was like, you know, Ben, just shut up, okay? You know, this is a real plan, all right? I was like, you mean it's a real plan at NASA to train oil drillers? He was like, just shut your mouth. <laughs> all right, so we have Armageddon, the town, Gone Girl, and the way back. I think that the two obvious choices here are the town and Gone Girl, right? Yeah. But- now, he, because I think that Best Picture is shaping up to be a town versus goodwill hunting debate, I think we should save the town for the drama of that and go with Gone Girl. It's a David Fincher film. He gives a legitimately like reserved performance of the way that it needs to be. He's quiet and toned down for a reason. 
he uses the film uses his reputation as a person woven into the narrative. There's a story of he refused to wear a Yankees hat for the film, so he wore a Mets hat instead. He handpicked Emily Ratajkowski to be his girlfriend in the movie, which that's just slick w. Denny at his fucking best. So I, uh, you know, I think that. I think that the town is going to wind up being the film that defines his career, but I think that Gone Girl is maybe the best display of his true acting chops. That's probably the best director he's worked for, like true director's director. If you really think about it, you know, this guy's worked with Michael Bay and Zack Snyder. It's not like he's really punching that, you know? Yeah, no. uh, I think State of Play is a Ridley Scott movie, which we didn't even discuss on this podcast. Also stars. No, it's not. It's not. Um, but, uh, no, yeah. Gone girl is one of my favorite movies period. Like it's just an awesome fucking movie. I mean, that picture, it goes around all the time is I saw it like earlier this week of him smiling next to the missing per- uh, person's picture of <laughs> Rosamund Pike. It's just like, that's, that's the kind of like subtlety in a performance that like, I'm sure it's written on the page. Like he gives a grin, but it's like, he has that shit eating grin, like that yep. movie star grin. That's just like so perfect. I can't imagine any other actor in that role. And that aloofness that he has, and he's he's very charming. It's like you really don't know is this guy a fucking idiot or did he really get away with this? It's <laughs> or like just, or just an actual psychopath. I yeah. didn't realize. And that's that's like a key to a great performance. It's like I don't know what you are, and you are the main character of this movie. And I, I think yeah, absolutely, it's, it's probably his best performance. There you go, best actor, Gone Girl. All right, here we go. Best picture. The nominees are. Goodwill Hunting, The Town, Argo, Gone Girl, and Air. Argo and Gone Girl have been used. Mm-hmm. Air, we have not seen. And then, of course, I added Triple Frontier, but just for the bit. <laughs> so that brings us down to Goodwill Hunting and, and The Town, two films that we have both not used. Probably the defining works of his career so far. Goodwill got him started as sort of, he was already an actor at that point, but it got him sort of in the door is, oh, this guy's a creative force as well. It is, in terms of test of time, inarguably stands out. It is just as good now as it was then. But then there's The Town, widely considered to be one of the best crime films of the last 15 years. Probably his most widely popular film, most widely beloved movie. He did double-dipping duties of directing an excellent film, but also starring in it and giving his performance more depth than he usually has. So I'm really torn here. Now, I have a movie that I like better of these two, but that doesn't mean it deserves to win. So I'm curious to hear your take. I mean, the town has a scene where Ben Affleck goes to Jeremy Renner and says, I need your help. I can't tell you what it is. You can never ask me about it later. And we're going to hurt some people. Who's cow are we going to take? Yeah. It's like... Oh! <laughs> uh, yeah, but then there's shit like that in Goodwill too. I don't know true. his iconic quotes like that off the top of my dome, but I know that he's got some. When he goes to Matt Damon's, like, I hope you know one day I come to right. Your door, there you go, there. and that's like the deep one. But he's got yeah. some funny ones in that as well. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, now, if he was in the Damon role, I think we'd have to give it to that because if he co-wrote that. And starred in that, I think, because that is an Oscar-winning, iconic film of the last 30 years. You talk of, like, Goodwill on the, like, top 100 of the last 30 years. It's probably in or around there. So Mm -hmm. I think if he was the star, that would be the obvious choice. But he's not. He's the supporting character in a very sort of what was probably how he was. Blue sure. collar, smoking sit, you know what I mean? Boston. So it's not like he was really pushing himself dramatically. Whereas the town, you know, he, he has to be the leader. He has to keep the stone face when he talks to the cops. He's got to be in love. He's got to ch- care for a child. He's got to want better for his life. So there's yeah. so much good tension in the town, like that scene where Jeremy Renner does come uh, and interrupt their little lunch that he's having with, with what's her face. And he puts his hand over the back of his neck yep. so she can't see the tattoo and just like shit like that. Like that's that's a good director. Little details that make up so much that you you know it. You see it for half a second at the beginning of the movie and then it comes back around later on. And you're just like, that's like a bomb under the table. Right. Like you're just like, oh, my God. And I, I think I mean, he he 
they talked about this on Bill Simmons podcast uh, like last week, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Matt oh, they're Damon, on there. Yeah. You should go. Oh, listen to it. It's shit. great. You'll love it. Yeah. Um, it's like an hour conversation. And uh, basically Matt Damon was like, he got offered the town before Ben Affleck was a part of it. Really? And, and Matt Damon's like, this sucks. I don't want anything to do with this. And then they have the same agent. And his agent was like, oh, yeah, Ben's doing the town. He's like, no, get him away from that. And he's like, no, 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 no. Ben's doing a page one rewrite. And like, it's going to be great. And he's got to take. And he's like, oh, then amazing. Yeah. And he it totally eased his concern. I wonder if it was a Boston based film before Ben got it. I'm pretty sure it is because it's based off of a book. Gotcha. Uh, and I think that book is set in Boston as well. Gotcha. But that that's like that is our generation's heat. I want to, I want to say, like, I would say, I would say, I think you're right, dude. And you, you know, I'm going to say you're going to go watch smoking aces and the matrix two in an excellent double feature tonight. I'm going to go watch the town. And I'm actually, I've said this on the show a few times before. I'm trying to write my own script. Just got to page 12 today. So I'm basically one tenth done. They say that a way to pitch your film is say, oh, it's blah meets blah. Mm Because you want to say the things that you're inspired by so people know what to expect. The town is one of those two things. I love the town. It has a profound effect on me. The way that it wove like what is ultimately a crime film, but the way that like Affleck's desire for love and family is ultimately the heart of it and the way that they did that without even making you realize so i think it's obvious through all these points that i've made i think that this this pick is the town now giving ben affleck awards without goodwill hunting feels a bit sacrilege but if you look at everything we've chosen other than best supporting which we gave it to the kevin smith films which maybe now that we've given it to if we go the town we can retroactively change it if we want but I have always I've been trying to save the town for this category because I think that that's my pick here. Yeah, I mean, what other fucking movie is a heist in Fenway Park? Like right. yeah. that's sick as fuck, and yeah. only something I think Ben Affleck could do because Boston's like we love Ben Affleck. So yeah, and I told this that. to John Hamm too. Its quotability is insane. Rolling over for a box of quarters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is the not fucking around crew. Yeah, dude. There's so many. There's literally so many. When are you going to get that through your fucking head? It's not going to be me, you, and Shine playing house. Oh, yeah. The town winner. Best picture. Retroactively. Best supporting actor is Goodwill Hunting. Best director is Argo. Best actor is Gone Girl. And best picture is The Town. Now, Kate, at the end, just for fun, worst movie we have got. Daredevil. Yeah, this is bad, dude. He's starting a lot of bad shit. I already know my pick, though. We have got Daredevil, Gili, Paycheck, Jersey Girl, He's Just Not That Into You, Runner Runner, Suicide Squad, Live By Night, Justice League, and Deepwater. I, I Anything think, stand out to you there? I think Justice League is like... The, some of those other movies are probably like worse, you know? But like Justice League is such a high-profile... Collapse. Yeah, yeah, like it could have literally killed his career. I think. Yep. I mean, I'm on the us. same page as you. I'm also gonna throw in Suicide Squad because that is the origin of Jared Leto's <laughs> Joker, my mortal enemy. That is gonna do it for this week. Make sure to follow Cade at Cade underscore Onder. Make sure to follow me at Eric Italiano and the podcast at Postcred Pod. Leave us a review on both Apple and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts if they provide that function. Cade is our movie king. He's seeing Mario. Is that tonight? Tomorrow. He's seeing Mario tomorrow. He's seeing Air on Friday. He'll share some thoughts on that. I think I'm seeing Renfield next Monday, so I'll share some thoughts on that as well. We'll maybe talk Mando. Brandon is back. We'll talk a little succession. Ben Affleck, you fucking rule, man. Keep killing it. All right, we will talk to you next week. Peace. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. <laughs>